Welcome back to Get Carded, episode four. Today we're going to get a little dark, but then get into the light. We're going to talk through the current card and market environment before we bring on one of our biggest and best frequent flyers. four of get carded let's go we're going to talk today uh, about a couple of really exciting things it's a huge week in the sports card uh, in the sports card industry we have a huge release coming out with uh, with with basketball prism but before we get to that just wanted to talk briefly about the fact that we are we're a month into becoming a bigger and bigger part of this community. We've got interviews in the books, one of which we're going to share with everyone today. We have uh, we have a lot of experiences behind us. We have a lot of efficiencies that we've uh, we've created. It's just going to be a I'm I, I can't tell you how excited I am. Smash our third, you know, full day of breaking, which was uh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been it's been good, but I can't help but continue to think about this week and what's happening with uh, with this Prism release. Brandon's literally been texting me like every other day talking about, hey, can we get this? Can we get this? How are we going to get this product? He's always been a Prism guy. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's been a lot. It's the hobby. When you think about now football, I mean, a couple of years ago, it feels like National Treasures and Flawless were the football kind of demigods. Were? But were. Yeah. I don't even think that's the case anymore. I think I think the PSA 10 Silvers football and basketball like that's just it's it's the staple in the game for football and for basketball and soccer all of a sudden. But now but now with basketball coming out this week, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. And we're going to be excited to break some of it. We're going to be uh, we're, we're going to have a good time. A lot of questions, though. A lot of questions with regards to the fact that there were many, many boxes that originally sold for forty five hundred. Dutch auction, I would say, failed and started to go for two thousand a box. It's fell significantly since it even started to come out, and 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 now we're sitting here. With, uh, with with just a, a couple of hours to go, essentially, until it's break time. Uh, with, with not knowing what to expect for, for values. What's what's the Lamello base going to be? What's Edwards? It's... Uh, Halliburton what's sec- is still probably now pushing the... Second year Zions. Like, it's a, it's a crazy deal. But that is the coolest part about fun. this hobby. That's it the is, isn't part. it? It's the uncertainty. It is the uncertainty. Well, and the fact that LeBron James gave Anthony Edwards a nice hug at the end of you know the game last week. Now, what did that do to his cards? Right, just watching that uh, that love there from LeBron onto him, like you know, at least thirty cents. Thirty cents yeah. per card, per card. But that's how that's that's the day trading aspect of it, right? You get a one one good game, or you get these players that are having this, you know, a good week, and then you just watch their values watch your values climb. That's actually a super good point because there was uh, this past Thanksgiving, Deshaun Watson threw for, I think it was uh, over 300 yards, four touchdowns total, 
and his cards did go up after that. So when you when you talk about in-game performance when it comes to people's cards, it does affect it week by week. Yeah, and within last year's class too, even more so than, you know, the Jaw and the Zion is Tyler Hero's cards is literally day trading. Like yeah, on absolutely. a daily basis that type of player is it's a, he has a good game, cards are his value's shooting up and he's just because he's not that consistent, right? But it's fun, man. But yeah, that prism, you know, with the number of parallels and cards, it's uh, we just broke that uh, football prism, and I, I'm still geeking out over that. Yeah. So this prism has the fast break variations, and the first off the lines have a purple parallel. Mojo gold, black. Like there's a lot. There's a lot of cool prisms in them. They have the throwback to the uh, I think 12 and 13 uh, parallel that looks that looks amazing. I mean, I'm. I'm excited for the product. Um, there's certain aspects of it I'm not excited about, but I am I'm geeked to hear uh, that that we're gonna have an opportunity to to see what happens because it, um, it you know over the last month it's been an interesting ride in the in the sports card market economy, right? We've seen we've seen uh, uh, back in. Back last summer, we saw an early bubble. We saw a depreciation and a leveling out of the of the car prices. Then we saw a huge run up at the end of January. We've definitely seen a softening of of the car prices since then. Um, so where these things are going to land, where the the Lamelo and Edwards bases are going to come out, where their silvers are going to come out, where the second year players, where the where where you know where everyone's going to come out, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Well, just with this draft class, right? You had like 18 with Luca. You had 19 with Za and Ja, Za and Ja, <laughs> with Za and um, Zion and Ja, excuse me. And then now this rookie class, which I think everybody's kind of, you know, kind of fighting for that that top spot too. So it'll be very curious just to see with this class that may not have as much name recognition, you know, mellow. But I, I think that it'll be very interesting just to see the value on some of these breaks too, in terms of, you know, where people are seeing the value within this class. Absolutely. Um, what do you think? Are you excited for the product? Do you think it's gonna, do you think a hobby box is going to appreciate over the first couple of months? Do you think it's going to soften? I think it's part of the day trading aspect. I think it's going to depend on whether these players are going to perform well. And with LaMelo ball being out the current or was current, front runner for rookie of the year. Now these guys are going to need to perform to fight for this top spot that Joey's talking about. So that's the part that I'm excited about. And that's actually what's starting to make me want to watch basketball because who's going to step up and be this next guy up to be this favorite and us as collectors and investors, who, who are we going to bet on is going to be this guy that's going to step up and who can we maybe steal off of the, off of the block to kind of invest in, so I think even more than that, this product specifically is the staple is. of collecting in basketball. So I know that there's been a lot of talk about the pricing of this product, how it's going to perform. I actually think that it's going to perform fairly well early. And then what's going to happen, that old Vegas Dave adage of the fact that there's an oversupply of what's going on out there. I mean, last year's product, I think, had 10 
cards in Hobby Box. Ten cards. Wow. And and it's it's one of the biggest challenges of this industry. So I think first off the line had sixteen thousand boxes come out. Sixteen thousand boxes. That's insane. So hobby boxes, tea, like all this. I mean, I can't imagine the overnight parties at at Target <laughs> that are going to happen. Yep. It'll be like when we used to, uh, Brad. You remember this? We used to party all night for for Madden releases, right? Oh, little, little <laughs> all tailgating, little uh, football on the parking lot, some lightning, some lightning. Yeah, a tent, camping chair. Connor, mm-hmm. how did you deal with lightning back then? Uh, I didn't. I just. Wasn't able to. Couldn't <laughs> fathom the, couldn't fathom Zeus's capabilities up there. But with a video game, I understand that you produce to meet the demand, and you cannot produce enough Maddens for people to play. Because whoever wants to play should be able to play. But I cannot stand the fact that the Lamello base. How many are there out there? Do we even know? No. Is there any way to tell? I hate that. I hate that there is a commodity out there that there is, uh, and, and I don't know if they're trying to act like the Federal Reserve or it's like, hey, if uh, you want more, we'll build more. Yeah. Which will dilute the price. Them. Yeah, yep. they'll just keep. So I, I, I wish that the hobby was better about saying, hey, here's, you don't have to number them. Just let us know what's what's out there. Yep. And I get from a PSA perspective and Beckett grading perspective that there's there's population reports on those particular pieces and it helps, but it would help a lot more to know just what the potential influx of those cards counts would be. right off the line. You just don't get those. No. You should you you should be able to know. You absolutely should should be able to know. And I'm just not a big fan of it. I, I don't I don't think I ever will be. I, I I totally understand that retail has to you know produce more because they're going to be in the in the retail environments and the, and the targets and the Walmarts and whatever other super centers are out there that, that get some retail product. Don't number them, but just let us know or, or make the retail product somewhat different. Put a shimmer on it. Put a, put a, I don't know, a rain. I I don't care what you do. Even a numbering system too. That would show you that. Yeah. And with all the hard number, with all of the, uh, with all the abilities these, these days to use blockchain, why not? Why not? It's this hidden thing that um, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of. Obviously, I can get off on a, on a tangent of this, but that's what, that's what hurt this industry back in the 80s and 90s, that tops, FLIR, SCORE, ProSet, Upper Deck, they just produced these things to meet the demand, and then they continued to produce and produce and produce, and, uh, and then eventually it got so saturated that there were cards that were not worth the paper that they were printed on. And that's kind of the fine line that they have to walk, right? Because all the hype around the hobby right now, they produce and produce and produce more, and it gets oversaturated. Who are the they to be in that. control of it, though? The business? I Yeah, true. I get it. But they just let us know. Because then, then we can determine what the price of their product is. Are we, am I willing to pay $1,000 for a, for a lamello-based prism? I don't know. Cause, 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 what's out there? Yeah, what are you fighting against, sir? And if I know, if I know that Panini says, if the demand is so high that there's not enough, we'll just make more. Well, then it's obvious that you should wait to buy it. 
right? Yep. If you know that there's going to be more later. Wait, get the second run. Yep. Absolutely. It's super easy. So just tell us. It's not, it's not a difficult thing to, to do. We need to talk to some, some panini folks. Let's do that. Let's see if we can find. Because it's panini scary, man. It's there. like it's, they're obviously, obviously feeling the demand as well. And now, you know, are they going to start to overproduce? And to your point, you'll never know, right? You all of a sudden there's, these local card shops, six months after the, release of this product, all of a sudden has mass quantities of inventory again on this. And it's like, was there these reprints or are these just now these. These shops have just gotten finally gotten the chance to buy these things. Do you feel like the manufacturers care? Yes and no, because you know, if you just get back to the junk wax, right? If you just get back to the junk wax, their their price per product or price per unit is going to go down. So I think there's a fine line, right? They they hope I'm guessing they have the people in place to to understand whether or not what that sweet spot is to where they're maximizing their margins. But no, I don't think they're in the they have the mindset to just overproduce again. But I think from the last couple of years, they're realizing, well, holy shit, this, this, this product or this hobby's grown so much that I need to get it out as well as there are, you know, but I do like the fact though, that they're still putting out the retail retail stuff and they're still trying to get things that are available to the kids because that's a, that's a whole nother topic, right? Is that we're going to drive people out of this industry if we can't get new, new buyers in the market. I don't know that they actually care. I, I mean, I feel like the the first off the line boxes, if they're if they're two, three, four thousand a piece at sixteen thousand, I mean, they're getting tens of millions of dollars for that product, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, but if there's nobody to buy them in ten years, they're done. They're sold out. Yeah, yeah. But the but the hobby stuff that's coming out or the retail stuff that's coming out, the bases are they just going to keep printing them and eventually those. Those VPs, those sales guys that want to meet those quotas and meet those numbers and are arguing with the production folks to just print more, it'll be fine, no big deal, because I want a bigger bonus for But what on the I'm retail selling. stuff and the blaster stuff, yeah, let them print till it's, you know, till the... But that's going to hurt the base prices. On the, on the, on the hobby stuff or the... Well, I, I get you on, the, on the, some of the, the bases within the hobbies, but I still think you, you still have to have a market for, for everybody and... I think as long as you're delineating the product between, you know, hobby and retail, there's enough variance there that I think you can you can survive and still keep a level of exclusivity, but as well as um, just flooding the flooding the market. Does it drive the the price that they can charge down when they're not able to, uh, you know, if if there's an unknown volume of it in the market, is it going to start to drive down their ability to, to you know, their, their retail cost point? Eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's going to, I mean, if the demand shrinks and they have a bunch of inventory, there's uh, the price level goes down. I mean, that's just, that's supply and demand. So you're a kind of, you're kind of a sneakerhead. I am. Do you agree? Yeah. So there's generally limited quantities of shoes out there, but when it gets oversaturated, the price goes down. No question. No question. So when they have the second drop or the third drop, and you don't know beforehand if they're going to produce more or not, right? And if you do, it's very short notice. Yeah, and 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 the investment that you made all of a sudden is dictated is, by some marketing or inventory control specialist at that company, and you're like, well, you didn't ask me. I, I invested in this. But you'd think from an economic standpoint, then, that there would be a vested interest in them 
knowing how much, you know, how much the oversaturation is going to play, you know, play on their ability to charge because it's, it's volume and, and, you know, supply and, and value, right? So if the, if the price point at market comes down, then they're not getting as much per unit. So, do, you know, do they just volume right past that? Push the volume, yeah. Or do they, do they make it more exclusive and, and get a higher price point, keep it more exclusive? Keep it more, ex- keep it more exclusive. Absolutely. Continue to put the stickers and the trading yep. books and the targets and the Walmarts for the, for the folks that want to participate but don't have the, the means to. But it to, keeps the hobby going. But but it keeps yep. the hobby going. Whatever it takes. And if there's and, and you can make mass produced hobby products, but send them to the local card shops and have the kids go to the local card shops and get into it like the the rest of us have. No one wants, you know, Uncle Jim sleeping outside the target and his ripped overalls and wife beaters <laughs> and running over, you know, mom that just wants to just wants to get her family some one no. percent milk yeah come on let's get this let's get this squared away i just don't want it to take away from the fact that there are a lot of people who have recently got into the recently got into the the game the industry the the market and and are just having a a good time with it i mean we have a lot of people who are just starting now to have have fun Mm -hmm. have fun with it and it's and it's become such a cool community and it and, and and there's just a way to build camaraderie and conversation. Like the conversation that we're having today is is a product of the the fact that it's come back around. Absolutely. So let's let's take care of it. I mean, those manufacturers hold that in the palm of their hands. The upper decks, the tops, the paninis. They have a huge responsibility here. So so. One of the things that that we're focusing on is is brightening it, and and although it may have not sound like it may have not sounded like it over the the, the first part of this episode, we've we've we we want to promote the fact that people are getting into it and people are having a an amazing time with it. In fact, one of the one of the folks that have recently uh, participated in a in one of our breaks, uh, we reached out to and asked if he would be willing to. Just kind of share how he got into the uh, back into the hobby, yep. and and we had an opportunity to sit down with them for for fifteen minutes or so and ask them a few questions, and and we just really wanted to share that that with you now. All right, I am here with Jay Slomkowski, and uh, among other things, Jay's a collector, and uh, he's he joined us in a recent box break, and uh, it was pretty evident he was he was quite animated. And we became intrigued and started talking a little bit and reached out to Jay just to kind of figure out, you know, where, where's your where's your passion being driven from? You know, other than the cards, we're all passionate about it, but Jay was on another level. So uh, after talking to him, we're like, you know, we couldn't think of a better way to share Jay's passion for, for cards and the, the box break than to just bring him here on Get Carded. So, uh, so here he is. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so... Before we get started, uh, tell us tell us just a little bit about uh, about you in real life uh, before we kind of delve into the fantasy world of uh, of cards here. Sure. Well, in real life, I've been married for 16 years. I've got two boys that are 12 and 11. Uh, part part owner at a body shop locally in the Twin Cities, Raymond Dotto Body, and 
basically work my life away and don't get much on the side uh, for co-curricular activities. But, you know, a lot of working and uh, we play hard on the weekends and that's about it. But that's pretty much it in a nutshell. You know, I'm a, just a straight up Minnesota boy, like the outdoors, like everybody else and doing uh, Minnesota things. <laughs> Vikings fan. School. All right. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, so obviously, you know, uh, you're, you're in these breaks. You're, so you're, I don't think we see too many people in these breaks who are not uh, collecting, but uh, has this been a lifelong passion for you or is it new or, or perhaps, you know, is this kind of a, a return to, uh, to a childhood passion? Yeah, it's definitely a return to a childhood passion. I, I collected baseball cards, huge Minnesota Twins fan. As you know, growing up in the 80s, the Minnesota Twins were on fire and I collected my Kirby Puckett gear and I had all this stuff. I had bats, baseballs, you know, and then I would used to steal coins from my parents' closet to go to the store and buy packs of baseball cards and just rip and do what I would get. And uh, once I got a little older and into school, I kind of fell to the wayside. It wasn't as popular for me anymore, so... I put them in boxes in my parents' basement. They had a flood. I lost everything. And I had quite the collection, which was really sad because I bet you I would have had some cool stuff now that I'm passionate about it and I really enjoy it. So I was really bummed out about that. But uh, yeah, um, you know, coming back to it, it was just, uh, you know, it was just interesting to see what's going on, you know, in today's world. And now it's like football, you know, is... Because I'm such a football fan as I got older, now it's all football. <laughs> so what what brought you back then to uh, to cards? Was it the was it the breaks themselves? Was it something else? Honestly, we can blame this one on COVID nineteen. Uh, everyone stuck in their homes with nothing to do, and we were making these Zoom meetings like you know we do, and um, with a bunch of guys, and we're playing online poker. And I ran into Brandon. Um, he's one of my good friends in the neighborhood, and he was doing them in his basement, these card breaks. And I didn't understand. I'd never been in a card break before. I just went to the store and bought my packs. So I didn't get what was going on. Actually, to be honest with you, I thought it was quite boring because I'm watching somebody else, you know, that's excited about what they're in it for. And I wasn't in it. So I decided to join Brandon and try one. And that's where it all started. I was just like, dude, that was amazing. I was like energized and jacked about it. It's just, it's like the excitement of not knowing what you're going to get. It's like, it's like ripping open pull tabs or being at the casino. It's just, you know, I, I think it's fun. And then when you get good cards and you get a chance to, you know, uh, look them up and see what they're worth. And, and there's so many people in the card community that are, you know, just help you stay excited because it's just a, it's a community that I never knew existed. So yeah. I got just riled up about it and I, you know, and it gave me something to do when you're stuck at home at night and no one's going out and they closed everything down. It was like, well, this was my excitement. I get some beer and I'd start watching card breaks, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned being close to gambling. I think it's, uh, seems like it's sort of like the difference between watching a football game and watching a football game with, you know, with 20 bucks on it. Exactly. New level to it. It's exactly what it is. I mean, you get excited, pissed off, overjoyed all at the same time. Because if, <laughs> if you don't get anything, you're like, damn it, I actually had a good team and nothing came out. <laughs> and, you, and you were charged up in the, uh, in the breaks the other night, you know, typing on the chat and, uh, and making all sorts of, I mean, you were the, you were the comic relief for, for a couple of those breaks. So is that, is that just, is that you coming through in a, in a card break chat board or is this kind of a, is this kind of a, an online persona for you? 
No, that's just who I am. I just naturally just I in the kind of the life of the party. You know, I, I like to crack jokes and laugh a lot. And I I get into these breaks and I do get probably a little over animated more than most just because I really get excited about it. I'm just like like for example, I on your last break I picked I had the bangles and then the first card he pulls is a burrow and I'm just like, no way, dude. I was like, this is insane. Not to mention there's definitely some beer involved. So that actually adds to the it adds to it. <laughs> you picked up the Bengals as a as wild card right before too. First card, full. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then I got nothing after that, so I was kind of like, oh, I was really mad that happened. But it was still, it's still fun to be a part of it, especially when you know people that are involved, and uh, you know, you get to know people that you, you that you don't even know just through these breaks. Like I don't even see these people out face to face on Zoom, but we're in breaks on you know Facebook or YouTube and. You, you start breaking with the same people. It's like, oh, hey, Jay, you're back. And it's like, yeah, man, what's going on? And then they, they get side chats going like on Messenger, you know, with these people. And it's, it's actually, it's really fun. It is, a, it is a cool community. It's kind of fun to, as you said, you know, channel your true personality and, and create a little bit of a COVID outlet and, and, and find a, kind of an online persona. That, that yeah, because getting into it getting into it i didn't know what anything was like on the football teams then you get to know who all the players are what's popular and like because i'd pull a card and brandon would look at me and go dude that card's amazing i'm like yeah well who the hell is it <laughs> well hopefully you can do a little bit better on uh, basketball pronunciation than he can i'm not i am not good at basketball it's one thing that is a foreign language to me <laughs> well uh so when you think about uh you know going back to your collection that uh that got destroyed in your parents' basement. Uh, what, what was your focus best back then? You, you said baseball, but was it pretty much all teams, just the twins? Oh, no, it was all baseball. I was like, you know, back then we had like Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Ken Gishu Jr., Barry Bonds, you know, and Jeff Bagwell and, you know, all the teams, you know, they had, we would play the video games on the old like Sega Genesis or whatever, you know, old Nintendo where you'd get the, I think Sega Genesis had most of them because you'd, you'd be like, oh, dude, I got Jay Buhner with the, with, you know, these guys were crushing home runs, you know, and <laughs> it was, it was the old school games. And I, and that's all I played it was all, I was all baseball. I played it. I played, you know, little leagues, you know, traveling. And it was, it was a passion. Like, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I, I remember it like yesterday. I just could not wait to rip open that pack of baseball cards. I, I wasn't the kid that cared about the bubble gum inside because that was shit anyways. It was more like, you know, I wanted to see what I got. Yeah, it was nice and hard. So what, uh, when you think about that collection, uh, obviously you can't see it, but what was, do you remember what, thinking about it, what was your crown jewel card in there that you would just give anything to have back now? I had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Okay. with his which was just ridiculous and i just um i was actually our school got to go to a to a um be a part of a movie in the metrodome where he was there so i was able to get the signature on it and uh that little, got the little big league is that uh but, yeah okay yeah. all right and and uh you know kirby puckett was my favorite guy and then after that it was you know the Cleveland Indians, like Albert Bell, and it was Juan Gonzalez for the, you know, Juan Gonzalez for the Texas Rangers, and Nolan Ryan, you know, watching all these guys. It was, it, it's like after the strike, like baseball wasn't the same, and that's kind of when everything fizzled away for me, and like I didn't really, I just put my cards away, and I went on to other things. Okay. So, you know, as you have come back, and you've gotten inter interested in the uh, breaks, 
are you pretty much getting back into baseball or, or are there some other sports that you're kind of, uh, no, I've, I've gotten into mostly football, but I did, I've done two baseball breaks. I did one with you guys. I've done uh, a couple. Um, I was super excited that you guys started Denari because it was just like, man, this is so cool because, you know, I know Brandon and Connor and I'll get to know you guys. And it's, it's just cool when, you know, you can support people that are true good friends to you and, yeah. and be, and be part of that. And uh, not to mention, I don't know, like not like back then I knew everybody in baseball and today I couldn't tell you anything about it. Like I know some guys on the Minnesota twins, I don't follow it, but I feel like this will get me re-engaged into it. Um, but football all the way. I mean, I can be a sportscaster at an NFL game because I follow like everything with fantasy football and all that. It's just like everything football. Awesome. Well, uh, so uh, are you going to, uh, are you going to follow us over into uh, golf cards and uh, do some hockey too? I'll do whatever you guys think is good. If Brandon, if Brandon tells me that it's a good idea, I'll give it a shot. We, uh, we won't let him listen to that part. Uh, yeah. uh, before we go, I always like to uh, enter interviews with a, a bit of a non sequitur. So this is kind of a, a made up one and we're, we're going to hit you on the spot here. But uh, so you're, uh, you're being cast off to a desert island for an unidentified amount of time. And uh, we're going to give you a, a small creature comfort basket. So Aside from water, this is kind of the adult question. What's your beverage of choice that you're bringing with you in unlimited capacity? And also, which three DVDs are you taking with you for your uh, DVD player? And I, it, not sure if podcasts uh, overlapped with the, the DVD era, but the, your Netflix isn't going to work on this island. So we're, we're sending you with the DVD player and three movies of your choice. Yeah, that's definitely putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> the, the drink of choice would be like a Tito soda water with a lime. I mean, I would drink those all day long okay uh, be hard to part ways with beer but then at least i wouldn't i'd stay in somewhat shape drinking something that has low carbs <laughs> maybe some coconut water to go with it sometimes yeah yeah exactly when, and when it comes down to the movies i mean i'm a big comedy guy and i'm and, and into like uh crime movies so basically i i don't have favorite movies this is kind of an interesting question but um gosh i I just don't know the answer to that okay. question. All right. I mean, I mean, like, I love all the Will Ferrell movies with like Step Brothers and you know the the, the Mark Wahlberg with the Ted movies. It is hilarious, you know. Yeah. Uh, the one with the Catalina wine mixer, you know, and those kind of movies yeah. is freaking hilarious. But uh, then you would have to throw one in that you don't mind watching, and I I like watching those Liam Nielsen movies where he's like he seems to always be like the oldest guy in the movie, but he's still a badass. <laughs> Star Wars, Taken, or whatever. <laughs> he's a, yeah, yeah, he's exactly. the same character over and over. You don't know if he's bad. <laughs> no, he, you don't know if he's bad or good when he kicks everybody's ass. <laughs> you know, that part's predictable, yeah. Well, yeah. awesome. Well, hey, Jay, thanks for taking the time to, to talk with us today. And uh, can't wait to see you out there in a few breaks. Or, or uh, you know, we talked about this before we, uh, before we came on the air. Um, come into studio and, and uh, record a show with us, too. Dude, I would love that. Yeah. I'll, and I follow you guys. I'm following it now on all areas, so I won't miss anything. So you'll, you'll be seeing me on those chats and I'll probably be offending some people, but that's okay. It keeps it real. <laughs> yeah, it keeps people on their toes. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, take care. Have a, have a great, uh, have a great rest of the day and uh, we'll see you out there soon. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. Awesome interview, Brad. Great job. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time. 
out of your busy schedule, I'm sure, uh, to, to, to give us some insight on how you got back into the industry. I know the first part of this discussion today was, was a little dark and a little dramatic, uh, but it's a big week for, for us, uh, for the industry to watch what happens with, with this prism release and, and to, to just kind of get grounded in what brings people back into the hobby and, and listening to Jay talk about, you know, how those kind of literally childhood emotions come out to, 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 to kind of anchor on to something that, that gives him that vibe and to say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with this. That had to be a riot for you to just, well, yeah, you know, the, the, the childhood memory was there. So I think a lot of us, probably most of us who are doing this have that to draw back on. But like he said, you know, whether it was the strike or, you know, just getting older, you know, moving on with your life, you know, he said, you know, the strike hit, it wasn't fun anymore. That was that I moved on to other things, but then it took something like what we're all experiencing now sort of the rebirth through through different things and, you know, certainly focusing on box breaks. And there's kind of a, there's a reticence that you could, you could sense where he's like, all right, you're doing this. Like I'm, I'm bored. I'll watch. Doesn't seem like much fun. But then as soon as he started, like, boom, like it all came rushing back in. Now he's missing those cards that, you know, that drown in his parents' basement. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's full in. And, and he's feeling things I think that we didn't feel there was a different there was a different level of joy that he felt as a, as a child because it was a connection to like something that he was experiencing himself playing baseball, watching baseball, having a favorite team. Now it's more along the lines of you know it's a little bit more expansive. It, it's kind of akin to fantasy sports where you're kind of not necessarily anchored to a single team. And then the things that we do as adults like gamble, He's feeling a little bit of that gambling rush, a little bit of that that chance piece with the, with the box breaks, and you heard him say it. You know, you know, he he had one where he got one card right off the bat, he's juiced, and then nothing else, and he's like, "Yeah, dang it, whatever." You know, lived to fight another day, but you know, he's hit a few big ones here and there, and he said, "You know, that's that's a great rush. It's a it's a whole different level of enjoyment that that wasn't possible back in the day because this this kind of stuff just didn't exist. It was so genuine. It the, you yeah. know the the biggest piece that I took away from it was feeling like you were just out with the guys mm-hmm. because you could go into a break with people, right? Like like he had mentioned we were hanging out one night and it just happened and he it just sparked a flame. And it was although we were sitting at a bar ripping some pull tabs or or, or just having a good time and we were participating in something together. But with box breaks, you don't have to be in a physical location. So yes, you are, ex- you are exactly right. The, the fact that the pandemic hit, it just, it, it, it all came together in a very, very beautiful way. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I got pumped. Yeah. Uh, I got reengaged like through the conversation. So great job. And he also hit on something else too. I think this is kind of the spirit of why we started working with Denari and that is, sort of the communal aspect of this, it's alive and well, whether, you know, you can chalk it up to social media or like the connected nature of box breaks. But he's like, I'm, I'm seeing people that I've seen in other breaks on other platforms. We recognize each other and it's fun. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're new rivals, you know, yeah. here's a rival of mine. He, he keeps getting this, this, you know, this team that I'm looking for and, and the good breaks. Whatever it may be, he's enjoying that that aspect of it. Not too distant in terms of how you got back into yeah, it absolutely, either. Absolutely, man. That's it's it's uh, it's hard to to make sure you're 
you start to question your decisions, right? And you have to make sure that you're, you're, you're making the right call on these things. But I will say, Jay, you got incredible taste in movies too. So I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been a good run and we've had a, we've had a ton of fun with, with what we're doing. So can't definitely can't lose focus on the fact that there has been a renaissance with what's happening we're we're looking to continue to build on those experiences those conversations those communities we'd love to hear more from from all of you so so please please continue to uh, visit our spots at denarico on instagram and on twitter and visit our, our facebook page at at denari sports those are the places where you're going to get the latest up-to-date content on 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 what we're doing uh, what we're looking to share on on um, uh, not only on the on the stuff that we're doing. I mean, we do want to make a, a business out of it. Let's yeah. let, let's. I mean, this is not a nonprofit deal that we're uh, uh, embarking on. But so we want to we want to build it. We want to we want to make it fun. We want to have a good good time with all of you uh, while we're doing it. Check out Denari.com. We put some new merchandise out there. We got some new cards posted as well. Um, so make sure to check that out and uh, be happy to work with you directly off of that site too. And I know that generally speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you guys a, a little bit of a vibe in terms of how we're handling the, uh, uh, the night specifically with the spirit of choice tonight with the, with the fact that it's been a little, uh, it's been a little heavier with my criticism of, uh, of the industry and the production values. I thought I'd give it to Joe to talk through what we're going to enjoy for the rest of the evening. So I got uh, my hands on a bottle, a bottle of one of 100 figure, you know, kind of in that same kind of numbered cards theme of uh, Knob Creek Rye. It's a store pick from uh, Ace Spirits in Hopkins, Minnesota, one of the best uh, local liquor stores that we have here. And uh, super spicy, super smooth at, uh, at 110 proof. Can't beat it. Can't beat 110 proof. No, absolutely not. So, uh, once again, thank you guys for participating in the in the uh, uh, in the podcast tonight. We're looking forward to seeing you guys online and uh, and out there collecting. Joy out.